Welcome, and thank you for listening to the Dieting Experience Podcast. Before we talk about our purpose in being here, let's look at some statistics. There is a robust dieting industry in the United States. In 2013 alone, the U.S. weight loss market of dieting products and services racked in $60.5 billion. Yet, despite all of these weight loss resources, Americans are getting fatter and fatter. A 2007 report from UCLA researchers found that from 1980 to 2000, the percentage of Americans who were obese more than doubled. Between 1997 and 2015, the prevalence of obesity among adults aged 20 and older went up from 19.5% to 30.2%, and we have reason to believe that this number will only continue to increase. Additionally, what is also meaningful is a 2013 report from Colorado State University that states that only 5% of the individuals who go on a diet each year keep off the weight they lose. Clearly, something is not working in our efforts to lose weight. I am Lori Patlin Suttenberg, and I created the Dieting Experience website with the hope and goal of changing the conversation about weight loss and dieting. My initial focus in this project has been exploring the dieting experience through the lens of willpower. As a trained psychotherapist, I've spent over two decades working with people who are struggling in their relationships with others and themselves. People who diet are challenged or perhaps struggle to varying degrees as they must alter their relationship with food, oftentimes surrounded by an environment that is lush with the very foods they must avoid to lose weight. Willpower supposedly is the mechanism that kicks in at those moments of temptation so that dieters can succeed at losing weight, or is it? I begin this podcast with some assumptions. One is that the narrative of dieting is interwoven into the greater narrative of one's life and identity. A second premise is that people carry internalized and idealized definitions of food and diet related willpower that frequently negatively impact one's sense of self. These are some of the thoughts and questions that I explore in my Dieting Experience website. This podcast moves the conversation to a very personal level for two people, Linda and Alex. Through their voices, we hear their first person weight loss narratives. We learn about their relationship with food, their thoughts about willpower, and how all of these have impacted their sense of self. As you listen, you may hear reflections from them that resonate with your own dieting experience. It is my belief, however, that though there may be shared experiences in this realm of dieting and weight loss, in the end, everyone's journey is 
their own. Let's listen to my chat with Linda as she describes her 50-year struggle with willpower, a struggle she continues to fight today. So tell me what your definition of willpower is. Having a half gallon of ice cream in the freezer and not eating, not thinking of it as a Dixie cup and eating the whole thing in one sitting. Okay. So your experience with willpower has been what? Not good. Not good? No. Um, not good? For how long? Forever? A lifetime. A lifetime? Mm-hmm. So how far back do you remember? Like probably 10 years old. What do you remember about being 10? Eating everything because I was a fat kid. I would, my mother told me this because I don't remember this. When I was, what, like seven? There were these people on the street, this older couple, um, who was my mother's best friend's parents. And one day, my mother kept saying to her friend Rhoda, I don't understand. I don't feed her a lot, and she's getting fatter and fatter. And in one day, um, I forget her name, Ida. Ida says to my mother, you know, we just love having Linda to dinner every night. And my mother said, what? So what I was doing when I was that age was eating dinner at Ida's house and then came home and ate dinner again. So that was the beginning. So what was the message about food that you had when you were very young? I just liked it. Made me happy. Mm Mm-hmm. I just, I enjoyed it. So how did your mother respond when you, when she found out you were having dinner twice? Well, that ended. <laughs> but I, you know, I don't remember, but she must have been horrified. I mean, you know, then it made sense. But she tried. She, you know, what I remember, when I was in elementary school, so how old could I have been? I would come home for lunch, and she would try to put me on a diet. And she would give me for lunch a Dannon prune yogurt, a piece of cheese, and a hard-boiled egg. I could have had a roast beef sandwich with Russian dressing, and it would have been the same amount of calories. In those days, they had no, absolutely no idea about dieting. Like, they would think a steak with a, with a baked potato, with sour cream and chives, and a salad dripping and dressing was a diet meal. That's right. That's right. They had no perception. So, I got fatter and fatter. Okay. It wasn't until when I was 14 just turned 14, I went to my cousin's bar mitzvah, 
and I had to buy a size 18 dress. And we went to the bar mitzvah, and my aunt was talking about Weight Watchers, which was a brand new diet. No, it was mimeographed. And she was talking about it, and I said to my mother, you know, I think I'd like to do that. So she got all excited. And she actually got up in the morning and made me like an egg on a Teflon pan. But she knew because the diet told you what you could have. So she gave me what you could have. And what I found with willpower is this. In that part of my life, I lost 40 pounds in three months. And then I was skinny with a nice shape. But, but what my problem has always been is either I'm doing it strictly or I'm going berserk. I don't know how to be normal. So do you think that that's the result of dieting? Is that what happens that we end up in this either or place? Either we're perfect? I think so. I think it's a lifetime of being those restrictions where you can't have that because my daughter, she watches, like for instance, when I was pregnant with Alexis, I gained 68 pounds. So I said, oh, the next one, forget it. Oh, with Adam, I gained 75 pounds. Alexis gained 50 pounds with Zoe. So this pregnancy, she's being incredibly careful because she has that discipline. Like she, she has the willpower. Do you know what I mean? Like she can have a cookie and stop. I cannot keep cookies in the house because if I eat one Oreo, I have to have the whole box. Then I say to myself, well, I'll eat the whole bag because tomorrow I'll start. So that's my, you know, where is she? We'll eat the one cookie and stop. So what are the feelings that go along with that? You know, when you... Miserable. Yeah. Miserable. Still? Still? Was it always like that? And is yes, it still like that? Yes, miserable. Happy while I'm eating it. But afterwards, guilty and miserable. And I'll start tomorrow. And then when tomorrow comes, when I see something, eh, tomorrow, maybe next week. <laughs> and it's, it's really awful because it's a... You know, now, because the kids are not in the house anymore, I don't keep it in the house. So because of that, I'm pretty much able to, and I get home late, I can maintain. Like, if I gain a few, then a few come off. But if I'm around food, like, it's not good. That's why I, I, I choose to not go on a cruise because cruises, it's just constant eating. And then I'm miserable. So would you say that the willpower related to food is different than the willpower you have in every other aspect in your life? Yes. Because I don't think about, like if there's a cake in the kitchen and I'm upstairs, 
not cake, because cake doesn't do it for me, but let's say ice cream. That's all I'll, I'll think about it constantly, and then I go, well, that's it, I have to have it. Whereas if it's something else, I, I don't think about it. But then maybe I am a little obsessive with things, like, but not different with food. It's, uh, it's terrible. There is a lot written out there about willpower, but it seems to me that the willpower when it comes to food is different than the willpower regarding everything else. Yes, it's like, like when I smoke cigarettes. I stopped, finally stopped. But I know if I took one cigarette today, that would be it. So I don't. You know, but food, maybe because it's always around, I, it's just very difficult. And because we have to eat. But it's very, it's always around. And it's a part of every social occasion. Yes. Right? Yes. And it's enjoyable. And every celebration, every getting yes. together. Yes, food. Go out with friends. Food. It's always around food. And, and when people order these delicious things and you're eating something, you feel denied. But yet, this generation, when I was young, and I went out with my friends, they ordered cheeseburgers and french fries and ice cream sodas. Now if you ordered that, people would look at you at the table with disgust. Now, if you're someplace and it's on the table, everybody will eat it. But to order it, nobody orders, right? Who orders a cheeseburger? Well, my friend Carol does. But Carol will eat, like, we'll go out. She orders the cheeseburger, French fries, you know, the whole thing. She'll eat, like, five French fries, half the cheeseburger, and she's done. And I'm like, how do you do that, Carol? Because I, I could be vomiting. I'd have to eat every last thing on that plate. When you see yourself struggling endlessly for a lifetime, so how does that see you in comparison with other people? It's irritating. It's like, let them get fat. They don't deserve to be skinny. And it's all around food. Yeah and figuring out how to have a relationship with food where some people can have that relationship easily. And some can't. And some can't. And it's very difficult. It's a struggle every day. Someone bought me, they did me a big favor at my office because she knows I like peanut butter. So she bought me a thing of peanut butter like this. I can't have that. I'm in the morning, I don't even take my coat off. I've got my finger in it. I No, I'm serious. I've got the... I'm, yeah, I'm putting it on a banana. No, I have my coat on, my pocket, and I'm busy with it. You know, so I put it in someone else's office, and next week I'm going to throw it away because I'm eating peanut butter with a spoon. Right? Yeah. I can't have that. It's something I like too much. I can have the, what do they call them? Rice cakes, unsalted rice cakes in my drawer, and those will last. Then those I, will last? Those will last. Why? Why? Because they're disgusting. You, might, <laughs> you could be eating a styrofoam. So that will last, but the peanut butter has to go.
Linda uses her great sense of humor to describe her struggle with willpower that has lasted for five decades. She talks about gaining and losing weight throughout her life, and despite great awareness of foods and dieting, she quickly and easily describes herself as having no willpower. Linda tells us that her struggles with willpower impact every part of her life and even her self-definition. Her detailed recall of life events involving food that date back to her childhood is noteworthy. A 2016 article in Applied Psychology, Health and Well-Being uses the term self-licensing, which is described as the act of making excuses for one's behavior in advance of that behavior. Linda's narrative describes her process of self-licensing as a manifestation of her total lack of willpower. And despite her ability to laugh at herself, she also admits how difficult and painful this is to her. This same 2016 article concludes that there is broad evidence for the detrimental effects of self-licensing on healthy eating behavior. And clearly, this is a factor in the current obesity epidemic. Next, we hear Alex as he describes his relationship and challenges with food and willpower. What is your definition of willpower when it comes to food? Uh, I discover over the years that I don't have willpower. That is something that it was uh, put in my brain or in everybody's brain and especially by your parents they say you have to have willpower to do this and do that and when it comes to food I don't have willpower. Uh, I have, uh, I could have determination or I can have an initiative of losing weight but uh, it's very, very hard. And there are foods that I'm, uh, <clears throat> I would call them like allergic foods. There is three foods that I don't eat. Can I name the foods? Yes. I don't eat pizza. I don't eat potato chips. And I don't eat certain breads, mostly white bread. Uh, there are foods that when I start eating, I can't stop. Not just that, but everything that comes after that. And it took me a long time to get there, but so I have no willpower when it comes to food. So you said that your parents talked to you about willpower when you were little? My parents taught me you have to be good at this, you have to you have to put an effort to do this, uh, whatever it is, school or, you know, behaving, whatever, that's willpower. And, uh, so when you grow up, you learn the word willpower. So was willpower <laughs> different when it was applied to food? Did it take on different meaning? You see, I always said, I wish I could eat the way I drink because I will drink alcohol and I will know exactly when to stop. I probably got drunk 
once in my life, and I'm 53 years old for the record. Yeah, but uh, with food, it's like, oh, let me have one more. Let me have one more. Let me have one more. My brother always points it out. He said, I go to Argentina, and a pizza for four people to share is about a six or eight inch pizza, and everybody has two slices, and you're full. Here you can eat a 16-inch pie, and 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 you're never full, and that's because of the flour. So how hard is it then to be in social situations at parties at events when people are eating and there's good food all around? Uh, it is not anymore. Um, something that helped me a lot and it helps me every day more is meditation which I thought you had to be like a, a guru or a monk to do meditation and be a Buddhist and you know eat uh, sesame seeds all day and now it's just the action of sitting quietly for 10 minutes it's 10 minutes a day is all I do and it helps tremendously in every aspect of my life and so, uh, pizza, like I said, that is one of the subs one of the foods that I don't eat. I could go through. I, it's funny because I parked the car today and I walked by a pizzeria where I used to eat. That was at the corner of my office, and I just looked at it and I remember, but I didn't crave it. feelings did you have when you struggled and yet gave in to your urges and your cravings? Well, the guilt is the number one. You eat it and then you have this enormous, incredible guilt and you look at yourself in the mirror and say, you know, I hate the way you look. It's like, it's, it's self-destruction. That's what it, I think it is and is fears, uh, you know, all kinds of fears. That's probably the biggest thing. Um, I had, like, uh, I was living in the South for a few years, which I consider the most unhealthy place in the world. It was so hard to walk in a place and just be able to get a salad. Everything was fried. Everything was, you know, it, it was very unhealthy. And uh, so when I came back to New York for the first year and a half, I got, you know, okay, I stopped driving. I would walk places, I would, you know. And, and I made a plan with a friend that I lived that we will eat healthy. And we were pretty much healthy uh, like we ate we ate home-cooked meals that to me is very important to me I cannot eat healthy if I eat out I don't care what it is but it's never gonna be like if you cook it yourself because and, and having had a, a restaurant I know you know you put stuff so the food uh, stays longer looks better and that stuff is uh, chemicals many times so you can eat in the healthiest organic restaurant in the world and it's still going to be restaurant food. It's not going to be like 
a piece of broccoli and a piece of chicken that you cook. Yeah. Um, so the question was if I struggle then. Um, I don't remember struggling with food. But I remember sometimes eating until I will feel sick. Yeah. Uh, not sick like I will throw up, but I will be so full that I couldn't move. Right. But, it, but it's all part of... It's all psychological, psychological because I never thought I had a problem with food as a kid. I was a very skinny kid, very skinny. I remember my grandmother telling my mother, oh, you have to give that, that child vitamins because he's too skinny. My mother said, he's skinny, but he's healthy, you know? And, but I remember an episode. My grandmother, after having uh, like an Italian Sunday lunch, which was a lot of food, more than anything could, anybody could eat, and she will come to me at the end of the, 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 the meal and said, are you hungry? I, I can make you an egg. I'll make it in the sauce that I have left over. So I wasn't hungry, but I will say yes. And she will fry the egg in the sauce and it was delicious. But it was delicious because my grandmother cooked it for me with all her love. That's what I was absorbing, not the food. You know, but so, so the emotions are very, very connected. That strong connection between food and family, the way you speak about your grandmother, this vivid memory, I'm assuming your grandmother's not alive now, no. right? So this connection of your memory to her through that food experience, it's very strong. Yeah, but the point is like, uh, I understand now that I don't have to, like if I cook one of the meals my grandmother will do, I don't have to eat a lot of it because I will get more love <laughs> from my gra my dead grandmother because I eat a lot of it, you know? I could just make it and eat like a normal person would eat. So it sounds like this has really been a journey for you, really directed totally at your sense of willpower, meditating, and you have found these answers that have helped you tremendously. In, in a lot of aspects of my life, it has helped me tremendously. Do you have anything else that you want to add about um, the subject of willpower and the dieting experience and how that fits in? Uh, I started this, uh, it's not a diet, it's a change of behavior, which was in me for 50 something years, so it's very hard to change. But the reason for that drove me to do this was, uh, like I said, my brother had a big problem with drugs and alcohol. And he's been sober for 16 years now. And so he sat down with me one day and he said, 
Your problem is not the food. The problem is your mind. So those, do something with your mind, and and you're gonna start losing weight. And he was absolutely he hit the nail on the head. That's that's what it was. Because other people eat the same things I eat, but they know when to stop. I can't. And do you think when he said the problem is with your mind, do you think he was talking about willpower? Uh, well, he was talking about willpower and about everything because, I mean, what we understand as, as willpower, you can only have it if you have a sane and centered and focused mind, yeah? Alex has also struggled with willpower for many decades. Like Linda, he has great awareness of the challenges he faces in the presence of food. A 2015 study concluded that losing weight and sustaining a reduced weight require a consistent change of lifestyle. In Alex's case, his lifestyle changes included moving to a city where he did much more walking, making the decision to cook at home instead of eating out, and dedicating 10 minutes a day to quiet meditation. A 2013 study concluded that whether dieters were successful at resisting problematic desires and whether they actually lost weight over time depended strongly on their inhibitory control capacity which is another word for willpower. This study shows us how intrinsic willpower is to the weight loss and maintenance process. And yet, both Alex and Linda describe themselves as having no willpower. I return to the assumptions that I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast. Certainly, both Linda and Alex have narratives of dieting that are interwoven into their greater narratives of their lives and identities. Additionally, both Linda and Alex carry internalized and idealized definitions of food and diet-related willpower, and both have developed strategies in response to their shared belief that they have no willpower. I invite you now to think about your own dieting experience. How has your life narrative intersected with the narrative of your struggle with willpower, weight, and dieting? And how have your weight loss challenges impacted your sense of self? I reiterate that just like with all things related to the life experience, the weight loss journey of each person is unique. Though the diet industry would have us believe that there are one size fits all solutions that should work for all of us, the truth and reality of obesity statistics speak otherwise. Join me in changing the conversation by adding your thoughts and reactions to this podcast on my website blog. And thank you for listening to my Dieting Experience podcast.